So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. A win, a win. We got there eventually. It's been plenty of time coming and um, must be, Dean Richards said it was always bad in January or February. Well, throw March into the mix as well, but now it's April, we're, we're winning. So uh, that's what we'll start with this week, the wonderful victory over Worcester and what a win it was. We'll then have a quick chat about the Northampton Premiership Cup game, look ahead to Zebra next week in Europe. So that's three tournaments or three competitions in three matches we're uh, covering here. Then there's a few other things. There's a few rumours knocking about and a bit of rugby gossip of comings and goings. And then um, we'll just give a, a quick roundup of the local and national scorelines. So I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. As always, you can find us on social media. So on Facebook, if you type in Folk on Falcons, you'll see our logo. And on Twitter, it's exactly the same. Instead, it's at... Falcon Falcons with the same logo. So um, let's get stuck into it. What a win, finally. Things seem to have clicked and we actually put a performance together for a full match or more or less a full match. Yeah, finally. I mean, you can barely believe it really, can you? But um, I, I did say last week about how with Worcester, you're never quite sure what you're going to get. You know, one week they can be really good and score tries for fun. Next week they can be absolutely dire. And I think we obviously luckily got the latter last weekend. But let's not obviously take any way from us. I mean, it was certainly our best performance for, for months clearly as you say things just sort of clicked I think we had sort of more of the right personnel in players such as Colin kind of stepped up this week as well um, and it yeah it just just clicked I mean apart from I think a few sort of dodgy line outs and I think they're a bit unfortunate with their uh, second try but apart from that we were just dominant and, and completely in control and took all our tries really well and there were tries from sort of not just from moves but from sort of hard running making you know really sort of attacking those lines, making gains there, good offloads. Uh, it was just everything that we've been wanting to see for, for months now, kind of sort of falling into place. So, yeah, really, really good stuff. Yeah, and I've been trying to put my finger on what it is that meant the click this week. I can't really work it out. So past me is thinking how weakened was Worcester's team. Obviously, they've had a couple of, um, no, not more than a couple of injuries of, of late, the last match being abandoned against Gloucester, or cancelled before it started against Gloucester. Um, but they, they put out a team and there's a lot of faces there that are kind of regulars on the Worcester team sheet so it's not like they were devoid of first team players and then our squad we weren't at full strength but it was a pretty good squad we'd out there but um, I think that he said hard running and making tries from gaps Lockwood once again fantastic absolutely relevant revelation coming off the back row conveyor belt, another one from the academy. And um, it just seemed that the forwards were getting stuck into the mix as well as the backs. And um, we were running off shoulders when we got half breaks, offloads were going to hand and everything went right. Yeah, well, I think 10, 12 and 13 this week as well, sort of when it all clicked, it all worked. Colin put his best performance for, for a long time. Uh, I thought Barella and Koke Koke were really good as well. They were really good ball in hand. Really, really fronted up. Certainly, Burrell's best, well, Burrell's best game rather for a little while. No, he's been affected by injury, but it was good to see him kind of really up and running again, and that that kind of showed. And I think that, as well as having um, Radwan and Carreras on the wings. I think really helped, like we said last week, how that, that did have a positive impact, even if, of course, they did come up just short against Wasps. Um, on a side note, nice to see Stevenson back in the squad as well. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, the backs, it was just right, wasn't it? I think the personnel was right and it, it did help. I think Worcester did have, really, really did have an off day and there were gaps there which perhaps we haven't found against better teams or even, you know, just any team really in recent weeks. And But, you know, it's all up to us to exploit that and, and that's what we did really. And I guess it's right you're right and it's kind of really hard to sort of put your finger on it exactly but maybe it's a kind of combination of all those sort of things 
really add up and that 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 is what makes a difference in the end. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be interesting what happens with Burrell because I think against Wasps, he played his first um, full game for the first team in a long time and he looked like he was just about there. And then the weekend, once again, he proved to be very effective. And I know there's a lot of talk about who's coming and going, which we'll touch on later, but I think he showed what an asset he is when he's fit and playing and on form. He's still very good and could slot nicely into a lot of premiership teams, I feel. Well, I mean, we know what, what he's all about, isn't it? It's his ball-carrying ability. And, you know, in this, in this sport, if you can get the ball and you bash it up a good few yards, you're going to do well. And that's what he does well. Um, and again, that, that's what we've missed, isn't it? We've missed sort of make those hard yards to kind of make that space and drawing the defenders, you know, to, to kind of do these offloads to, to make those lines. And we've missed that. And, we, you know, for a while now we've wanted Burrell to be back to what he was at the start of last season, where he looks like a, you know, one of the best centres in the league. Um, will he hit that sort of level again? I don't know. Maybe as the season goes on, he gets a few more matches under his belt. You know, this, the, this, the end of the season might come at the wrong time for him and that he does kind of hit form just when obviously we, we go into the summer break. But it's like a new signing really, isn't it? Um, considering how long he's been out and... On top of that, what he is now bringing to the team. Yeah, and um, I think another mention has got to be made for George McGuigan. He's an absolute try machine, um, scoring for fun at the minute. And he's now level with the club's premiership all-time point scores with four games left. So um looks like he, on current form, you'd expect him to get at least two or three more tries and um, be head and shoulders above everyone else for... The club's top scorer, which for a front row is quite something. Well, all we need is a few moles from the line now, isn't it? And then he'll definitely get a few more. Uh, it's all, I mean, his try, obviously, at the weekend wasn't from one of those. But again, he's sort, of, he's sort of in the right place, the right time, isn't he? He's there for the offload to sort of dive over from a couple of yards out, whatever it may be. But you've got to... You know, you've got to put your house on. He's going to get at least a couple more tries this season, surely. I mean, I'm pretty certain we're going to get a line out in the opposition 22 and we are probably going to score one or two more tries from that. And all, as always, he's the one at the end of it who puts the ball down. So, but yeah, it, it is quite funny, isn't it? But, but brilliant. I mean, can you imagine... You know, even if this season does have, you know, an air of disappointment to it at the end, but can you imagine if we do end up with actually the top try scorer? And of course, he won't get looking for England or Ireland. Yeah, and um, I think it's also got to mention that he doesn't play all of every game because he's a hooker. There's kind of this unofficial thing that the hooker's always subbed. And whether it's two minutes or at the weekend, it was a good 20, 25 minutes he had off. But then Blamaya came on and he popped one down as well. So if we're to add together both of our hookers, would be way up there and almost challenging for um, Sam Simms' spot, I reckon, by the end of the season. But, yeah, they can't really just merge into together for the sake of getting a record for the McGuigan slash the Falcons slash Blamire. So I feel like we've kind of covered the positives all too quickly. Um, if we just talk about another game that happened during the week, that was the game at Northampton on Wednesday night. Um, I heard a couple of Falcons fans in the crowd cheer him and I was listening to it on the radio. But um, it's one of these ones that was an awkward place to get to on a Wednesday night and it was the, the um, they call it the A-team as opposed to the B team, which is what any sane person would call it. But it was the, the A team playing. Unfortunately, left it too little too late. Yeah, well, um, I mean, sorry, everyone to go back a bit negative, I suppose, but we'll, we'll get it out of the way. But yeah, it was sort of before the, the weekend, usual Falcon stuff, really, where um, we just kept giving away penalties after penalties. I think Northampton's set piece was a lot better, sort of dominated, especially in the early stages, and obviously generated some of those penalties. I think at one point, penalty count was so ridiculous, like nine to one or something. And that's what really hammered us. And when, when we did get into the game and when we did score, we just did something stupid from the kickoff or we gave away 
again, easy penalties, which got Northampton right back in it or sort of ahead again. Um, I mean, we just, usual sort of Falcons thing, just sort of shooting ourselves in the foot all the time and making it difficult for ourselves. And eventually, obviously, at the end, I know that they sort of did run them close, but it was always going to be an uphill struggle when Northampton was so far ahead with not long left in the game. And it, it was disappointing because not just in the performance, I know obviously it was, it, you're gonna, it's a bit of a mixed match of players and a lot of players haven't played that level. And as you say, it's an A-team game. So you can't be you can't be too critical, but you know, you can't get it out of your head that it was an opportunity lost. Um that semi-final was there to be taken. And yes, it probably would have been likely have been an away semi-final, but in this comp- in that competition, I mean, you, you never know when you're playing your A-team players. Um, so I think that's disappointing. It was a chance for some, probably our best chance for some silverware, really, and it's kind of gone for another season. But you just got to hope, I suppose, that these young players kind of learn from that and maybe have a better go at it next year, I suppose. Yeah, I think what we can all just say is it's a, a shame because that tournament's there for, well, it was there for us to, to take on Wednesday night. And um, I think that maybe it shows that in the, the prior round when we played maybe a few more senior players than perhaps or other teams in the tournament had and we won quite convincingly it wasn't the same when we had 17, 18, 19 year olds on the pitch and um, it, we, we got close and yeah it was just a couple of errors that cost us those try straight from the kickoff or another couple of ones similar to that where we did all the hard work scoring then gave possession of the score back to the opponents and then there's a flurry mid-second half where the game just went away from us when we were just looking like we might start getting a foothold. So um, if we move on to yet another competition to play in, that's the Challenge Cup this weekend. Um, Zebra, let's not jinx it, but they're not doing well at the minute. They haven't won all season. Surely we've got to be targeting that one for a big five points. I mean, you'd think so, especially on the back of a winner of the weekend. Uh, what sort of team will play? I would like us to play as strong a team as possible. Whether we'll do that... I don't know, but you would think that, you know, I think even if we hadn't beaten Worcester, I still would have fancied us. Um, as you're right, I think they are rock bottom of the United Rugby Championship. Having said that, we struggled away to Biarritz, who at the time were rock bottom of the top 14, and we were higher up in the league at the time. We just beat Nexeter as well. But, I mean, I think that, it's especially as we're at home, I, I would think that I'm penciling that down as a win and hopefully a, a decent performance as well. Yeah, I haven't worked out all the iterations of what can can't happen because my brain will explode because... I think it's the top three of each group we're through, the top fourth out of everybody, and then you get the sixth lump, lumped in from the Highland Cup. Um, but I'm pretty sure that if we win, we're definitely through. If we get a point or two, then we're probably through. But I um, don't want to put my neck on the block here, but I think we just have to do the simple thing. Beat Zebra, and in all likelihood, if we do that, we'll come second in the group. Yeah, I mean, that, that's right. I think, it, again, like with the Premiership Cup, it is in our own hands, and it is a much easier game than the Northampton away, a decent Northampton A team away as well. Um, yeah, if we win that, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to be through again. I mean, I've tried to work out all the sort of various ifs and what ifs and, and whatevers. Um, but uh, yeah, I think a win does kind of take us through. At the very least, it should be as one of the best runners up. Um, and then it'd be interesting to see if we play the next round, I suppose, and we just sort of have a go at it, don't we? Um, you, I don't know. I think depending on how many points we get could depend if we play a Heineken Cup team or not. Again, that also depends if we finish second or or top of the group. But, you know, let's just kind of enjoy it. And like like last season, you know, we've got the quarterfinal. Who knows? You know, let's have an end of the season run and chance of some silverware, isn't it? I guess. So why not have a good go at it? Yeah, it's one of these ones where... Part of me really wants us to um, finish high up in our group with good points because then we get a home tie in the next round, which is obviously good for the club, good for the fans, good for the home fans. 
um, and it gives us obviously a better chance of winning. But then part of me wants us to finish in somewhere like eighth or ninth position or whatever it is. I think the bottom two places out of the qualifiers from the Challenge Cup end up playing away against the first and second out of everyone. So that would potentially set up quite a nice away trip. Having said that, the away trip might just be somewhere like London Irish, which wouldn't be quite as exciting. But um, it would be brilliant if we could get away to Lyon or Toulon or somewhere like that. But um, I think what we really have to focus on is winning and then seeing what happens as opposed to trying to line up an away trip. Because um, if we if we do win, then get that home leg, I'm sure if we win the next phase, then we'll get an away trip in due course at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'd always kind of forgotten about exotic away days, I guess, because I still haven't got over the disappointment of too long, which still haunts me. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one way of looking at it, I suppose. I mean, I've just been looking at purely the fact of desperate for home time, just want the best, the easiest team possible, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I guess... You know, if we are in this competition, let's have a fun away day in the south of France or something. I mean, uh, yeah, especially towards the end of the season, you get some nice weather. But um, yeah, I mean, we've got to beat Zebra first, and I'm, I'm sure they will. Um, and just hopefully for a big performance as well. Indeed, indeed. So if we just move on to the fourth competition that we can talk about during the, the course of the podcast, if we touch on the championship, it's finally finished. Ealing got there in the end, which everyone's odds on favourite at the start of the year, but... Um, it was, went down right to the final week and Elon didn't actually win the most games in that. It was bonus points which saw them winning it. They they, they pipped Doncaster at the post by three points and um, Doncaster had actually won one more game. But um, if you look at Ealing's points difference, it's far superior to everybody else's in that they had a positive points difference of 554 at the end of the season and Doncaster in second place only had 202. So um, I think that's that's the stat that's really telling. So And also, London Scottish at the other end where they'd conceded 846 points in the 20 games. So an average, what's that, 42 and a bit, 42.3 per game. So, um, yeah, really shows that um, Ealing deserved it, despite what everyone was hoping for with potentially Doncaster or even Cornish Pirates getting a, getting a good shift up in the late in the day. Yeah, well, as you say, it was uh, pretty close and down the wire down the last game of the of the season. And we said that it's probably it was probably actually the, the league to look out for for entertainment. Um I think what as you say, what we did for Ealing Eno had the huge points difference, but it, I think they picked up the bonus points as well, didn't they? And, and in the end. That, that that is what did it for them. Um, yeah, you know they were favourites to to win it, and then they've done that, I suppose. But as things stand, they're not going up. Uh, but I mean, I suppose if you're an Ealing supporter, at the end of the day, you've actually won the league for the first time. You know, you don't you're not just finishing your you know your distant second, but way of you know ahead of everyone else. So I guess if you're an Ealing supporter, you can enjoy that at least. But um, yeah, I mean, if we'll see them go up, probably not this season. Maybe the next season we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, that's really the the big question over that league, isn't it? Well, you say you say that that they're not going up, but um, since we last spoke, they have indeed um, launched their inevitable legal appeal, and it's interesting that now the Premiership know who's going to be coming up if that legal appeal is successful, because his, well, a couple of weeks ago, it was Doncaster and Ealing that were obviously thinking about lodging an appeal. Doncaster now couldn't care less, presumably. And um, the Premiership might think, oh, well, we fancy Ealing coming in. Or it might have been that they left that door open to the appeal for Doncaster's sake. Who knows? But um, Premiership very much know who the potential person coming up would be. And I guess time will tell and how quickly all the lawyers get their files out and 
start racking up the legal expenses. But um, hopefully there's some sort of resolution to that sooner rather than later. Um, I mean, I still think that um, Ely will probably lose that and that they they won't go up this season. I'll be surprised, actually, if they do manage to successfully appeal that, actually. So if we look a bit closer to home, comings and goings are starting to be talked about with a bit more certainty. Obviously, shrewder South African to Bath. And there's talk of a similarly named South African Shrewman coming from Bath. Um, Tian Shrewman, for those that don't know about him, he is a South African who um, only unfortunately played two games for Bath in his time there over the last couple of seasons because he snapped his uh, knee ligaments at the start of 2021. Um, but he's got quite a long and relatively illustrious career in South Africa with the Cheetahs, Free State and uh, the various Blue Bulls names. Uh, or Bulls or Blue Bulls. Um, and then he had a quick spell in France as well. I think he's one of these unknown entities, given that he snapped his ligaments and then he's presumably making some sort of rehabilitation. But um, it's not been confirmed officially yet, but there's a lot of rumour going on below the surface about him potentially coming our way. Yeah, I think that one sort of peered a few months ago, didn't it? I'm not massively convinced. It's not someone who really excites me. It's, you know, he's come back from serious injury, Yes, there is a player in there, but I don't know. I think we needed something more. We needed someone who's more consistent, more reliable, really. I mean, how injury-prone is he going to be? Is he going to be the same player again after such a long injury layoff? I don't know. I mean, you know, it could be wrong, could could be stay fit and could be an absolutely brilliant signing. I don't know, but it's just it's not what we need. We need someone who's going to be consistently and regularly featuring and someone who we know is a consistent, regular performer and... I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're just sort of looking from the outside in and maybe Dean Richards and other coaches and scouts have got a much better idea about his fitness or all his abilities. But um, it's not one that excites me. But I suppose at least it's, it's another fly half in which, at the very least, it's a decent body that they need in. Yes, although um, talking of fly halves and bodies in, there's big time rumours at the minute. Or is it a rumour if it's been published in a national newspaper with a not just a maybe, it's a Will Hayden Wood has signed for Wasps. And once again, obviously nothing released by anyone, but then nothing was released about Josh Hodgson. We found that out by accident when Extra slash Baxter mentioned it in an interview. And if he's gone, we've really dropped one there. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously we're all really pleased about the the result of the weekend. And then obviously the next morning you see that. It's terrible. I don't know if there's any other way to put it. It's a real hammer blow. Because, I mean, we've spoken about it. When, when we interviewed Matt Thompson, he, he mentioned it about how you know, he he was kind of the big thing coming up at the academy. The idea was to sort of build a team around him. He was a really, really brilliant prospect for us. Um, you know, with, you know, it talks about in the same sort of level as Radwan, those sort of type of players. But if he's gone, then yeah, it's really it's terrible. I mean, <laughs> it, it it sort of means that you, it's de- it's because really desperate to get in a, a replacement. But then you know, you want you you if you can't keep your academy players, your best academy players, and you as you say, you drop the ball like that, then you know it doesn't really much inspire much confidence, does it? I mean, you would have thought that they would have gone absolute two for nail to to tie him down. I don't know what's happened if they if Wasp would just provide a better offer and he thinks he'll get not any more money, but maybe more game time there, or we've just been too slow on it, or, or whatever. But it's been it's really bad stuff from us and it's really really disappointing yeah um let's not put the cart before the horse and it's not been confirmed yet so there's still the, the hope that he's not going on but it's one of these things where is there smoke without fire and it seems to be pretty pretty jet black smoke coming out of the chimney at the minute but um if we just look at him over the last few years he's played in england under 20s and 
been extremely good for them. And then he's barely featured at all for us in the two years in the championship and then COVID and then this year when there's been no relegation. It's only the last couple of months he's really come into the first team and shown really just what he's got. Is it just a case of we haven't offered him game time? He started having a few discussions earlier in the year when he wasn't getting played and he knows the calibre of the player that he is and thinks, well, I could do better elsewhere. I could get some game time. And then by the time we've started playing him, all he's done is increased his, his marketability and um, those discussions have already been ongoing or his agent or however it's going to work. But if we look at the game time he's going to get for the Falcons in the next two, three, four years, if he stays fit, then it's going to be a hell of a lot more than um, Wasps when they've got Umaga, Gopeth or Gopeth's leaving and goes to Leicester, I believe. But they've, they've got their own fly halves that um, will presumably be in competition for him once again. He might find himself on the bench. Yeah, I mean, you have to sort of look as to sort of the motivation or reasons behind why you want to go to Wasps. Um, as you say, I mean, you'll definitely get plenty of game time if you stayed here over the next season or so. Um, and Wasps, as you say, is a hell of a lot of competition. But, you know, if, if you're a player of that level and, you know, your, your ambition is perhaps to play for England sooner rather than later at some point, uh, obviously a lot of competition for England that position. But, I mean, you know, if that's your ambition, unfortunately... That is something that the Falcons don't show a lot of. And if you're a young, hungry player like that, you know, and Wasps come along, you may you may just really kind of relish the challenge. You might think, well, yes, I could play every other week or every week for the Falcons and, you know, finish bottom end of the table. Or I could feature, you know, initially maybe about a third of the time or half the time, whatever, for Wasps and, you know, be challenging for you know, top four potentially or or whatever or regular champions cup and that gets your notice and that that's what progresses your career so on one hand you can see the the motivation but on the other hand you you know that is a valid point about about game time you know really kind of how much game time over the next year or so would he get a wasp as you mentioned especially with umanga there yeah it also brings me on to i think a question that's got to be asked a lot which is have Falcons had the right strategy for young players in the the last few seasons? Because um, a lot we we talk a lot about our academy pro- produce and how good it is, and it can't be faltered. But um, if we look at this season, it's only really in the last couple of months when we've kind of given up any hope of getting in a good position in the league that we've started playing Nordi Kilometi and Hayden Wood. And it seems to me that forwards come through the academy and get tried out a lot sooner than backs do. And is it that we haven't been willing to risk it in games with? the key positions of scrum half and fly half. Whereas if somebody's a, a second row or a back row, they're somewhat covered by, or front row for that matter, they're somewhat covered by the, the those around them. And when we're looking at the start of this season, we have Hodgson, who was either starting or being on the bench as the cover. And then we look at the end of the season and Hodgson's the one playing in the Premiership Cup, which is kind of a, a polite way of saying you're on your way out. Have we just got it completely back to front? And in the season when we didn't have relegation, should we have taken a lot more risks when you're trying to win games, but you don't have the margin that Saracens or Wasps or Northampton or whoever build up against the weaker teams in the league? You can't try these experiments out and give players this game time earlier on in the season. I mean, it's easy in, in hindsight, I suppose, isn't it? But I think you do make a really good point about how it, I would agree that it's easier to play sort of younger up-and-coming forwards and it is back because obviously if, if you fly half or scrum half or even a centre or wing, whatever it may be or especially if perhaps a fullback if you make mistakes or you're kind of a bit lost you're going to be obviously much more caught out than if you're you know as you say a second row or flanker um 
In terms of should they have played these players earlier, um, I would say yes. And I think the time they should have done it is when quite clearly things were going off the rail. Um, by that stage, you know, it was obvious we weren't going to be challenging for banking up, certainly, you know, top six at least anyway. Um, what the, the team, the players and the team that they were putting out, which is it wasn't working, players weren't performing. And I think that's when you should have perhaps throw them in the deep end a bit earlier because you know it, it, and it was it's hard to sort of perhaps early on the season say well what have we got to lose but in hindsight I think it, it is a balance I think we should have used those players a bit earlier and it's a good good argument with Hodgson there you know there he was you know starting or on the bench very much obviously in the first team picture start of the season and now you know he, he's not not exactly nowhere near but he's he doesn't feature um so i think it was about getting that balance right and i think maybe they were too cautious and they stuck to what they thought was probably the safer option and you're right in a season about relegation they should have thrown more caution in the wind because again hindsight but let's face it would we have been any worse off probably not so you know why not and those players would have got more experience and probably even if they had been losing I think they would have had a bit more of those players would have had a morale boost because they would have been playing and they they know it would be a learning curve and they would have those games under their belt also one final thing is it a coincidence the day before the story kind of breaks in the paper that he's no longer the start and fly half after he's been playing so well as of late possibly uh, I mean you, you do think that but in the same way you know Schroeder still starts and features doesn't he and obviously it's, it's of his common knowledge now they announced it that he is going so why why would they not play him the day before sort of it breaks in the paper um i mean you could, if it was say the paper story broke and then the game was a day or two after perhaps but it would seem odd if that was the reason i think that the game was the day before not to play him for that reason i don't know i mean it, it's it's a little bit suspicious and coincidental isn't it but i suppose we'll see how well, yeah, we will obviously see how much he features in the last few games of the season, won't we? And then maybe we'll have a bit of an idea about whether they want to give Conan a bit, well, another chance, I suppose, to prove himself before probable reinforcements come in. I was thinking of it more along the lines of on Wednesday or Thursday, he said, Hey, Dino, by the way, come have a quick chat. I've signed for Wasps, and Richard just said, All right, well, you're on the bench then, um, as opposed to it being some sort of psychological thing with it breaking the press. But I guess we'll never know from the outside or probably half of it on the inside might not know either. Um, one other thing that I've thought is a bit strange, it seems like Mike Brown has just completely gone off the radar. I haven't heard any reports of him being injured, but he obviously played at Harlequins a few weeks ago. And then I haven't heard a dicky bird about him since. Well, yeah, I mean, like all these things, you know, we were just sort of looking in and we speculate, but... Yeah, I don't know if he's injured or they just sort of think, well, if you're going, you're going and we're, we're, you know, we're penny in there or whatever. But again, I mean, it's like all these things, isn't it? You know, if you've watched a sport long enough, you know, any sort of team sport, professional team sport, this level, when these things do happen, you know, you do think, as you say, no smoke without fire and there's got to be reasons behind it, probably linked to the, the publicly known reasons. Um, I don't know, he may, but of course he may just be injured, who knows, but it, it is a bit odd that suddenly he's just completely dropped, dropped off the radar and he didn't, didn't appear to be injured at all, but of course the club never kind of release anything about injuries, do they? I mean, who knows, may have done something in training or whatever and at his age maybe it does take a bit longer to recover who knows but again it is a bit, bit funny that one isn't it yeah and one final thing that could be our saving grace given the Hayden Wood situation um, I've been reading a few things online at various points over the last year and it seems like Wasp has got severe financial issues in that they need to find 20 odd about 30 million 35 million depends on which story you read to avoid going bankrupt this summer 
There's talk about them remortgaging the stadium, but then you've got to think, well, who's actually going to want to have that as the collateral? Because all it'll mean if they remortgage it, their interest rate will go up and they'll be even less of a, of a viable business if they pay more in finance fees. But it sounds like something's really going wrong there and they've got to try and find a ton of money from somewhere. I think with Wolf, you have to wonder long term. I mean, well, I suppose the idea of the franchise nessness, if you call it that, of it, what's the sort of guarantee a, a financial future for them? And they thought obviously it would be in that respect much better off than staying in London with obviously more competition. But you try, you know, you just got to wonder about perhaps how close are they to the salary cap? Are they one of these teams which are skirting pretty close to that? Probably. Um, there's all the expenses of. I think that they've had to, they want to put money into training ground and things like that. And even the sort of the, the well, the, is it Contribute Society arena now, isn't it? Even that in, of itself, the, the finances involved in acquiring that and the finances they need to put into that, you know, are, are obviously huge. It eventually, it just all, all adds up and they don't have, it's the, the really kind of wealthy owners, which, um, you know, obviously like, let's say Bristol, for example, even Saracens, you know, you think of Wasps as a, as a one of these sort of big clubs and financially well-off clubs, but it's not like, you know, as I say, Bristol, where they were, where they are really kind of bankrolled by a very wealthy owner. So, you know, in some ways, it's perhaps not a surprise that there is going to be that shortfall. Um, obviously, we don't know to what extent how bad that is and whether sort of bankruptcy is on the horizon, but it doesn't really strike us as a surprise, actually, considering how big their overheads must be, um, in that they are in some sort of financial difficulty. Yeah, well, the, the whole thing about them moving to Coventry in the first place was that the, the club said we would have gone bankrupt had we not done it. So you think, well, fair enough. They then go and spend a load of money on getting the ownership of the, call it the Rico Arena for ease, the, the Rico Arena. But they share it with Coventry City Football Club, who are their main tenants. And they get a couple of um, big matches every year when they play Leicester. They always get a, pretty much a full house. But the other week when we were there, there was only about 9,000 people. And the overheads of an arena that size are going to be huge. Coventry City don't fill it. They're not a football club like they once were. And I think there's rumours of Coventry City look, looking to move in the future to their own ground at some point. I think that Warwick Uni are doing a sports complex that Coventry City have um, said that they might want to join in part of and make a stadium there. Or, so all these things going on. And basically, a stadium's only worth what someone's going to pay for it. And if your primary tenant or sub-lesser goes, i.e. Coventry City, football club then um wasps rugby have got real problems in what's the value of the stadium it's basically if you flattened it and turned it into houses or it becomes a stadium for another sports club which there isn't really in the area so yeah if, if they go bust then we may well be able to keep hold of hayden wood or we might just end going somewhere else but we might not even go at all until it's just a load of hot air who knows we can get jimmy gopper back at price <laughs> he's off to leicester so i'm not sure on that one. Oh, that's true yeah Right, so I think one final thing to talk about just before we launch into the the result, the roundup, is that the Rugby League World Cup tickets are on sale now. I've bagged them onto the semi-final down in London. Uh, you can get them for 30 quid on England's side of the draw at the Arsenal Stadium, the Emirates. But there are also some cracking games lined up at St James's Park or Kingston Park as well. Um, there's uh, three games at Kingston Park and one at St James's, and it looks like um, if you're a Scottish rugby fan, that's where you'll be spending a bit of time. Yeah, well, I'm going to the opener, actually, at St James's Park, which should be pretty good spectacle. Um, and I'm going to, I believe, two of the ones at Kingston Park. Um, one of the ones with Scotland and one of the ones with Fiji. I think it's Fiji v Italy or something. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, obviously it was going to be last year, but obviously delayed with, with COVID. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's always nice to see some rugby at Kingston Park. And uh, actually, as soon as we finish this, I'm going to go off and watch Fundam, you know, against Witness as part of your discount for you having your fourth season ticket. So I think it's worth going to. I mean, I know obviously um, this is a union podcast and we all obviously like our union. But, um, you know, if you want to watch a bit of international rugby at Kingston Park, then, you know, I think it's worth getting yourself down, really. Yeah, it's also just good for the club's coffers. Um, one other thing that another thing bundled onto the season ticket package or ticket package is that this weekend against Zebra, it's actually going to be a double header match where beforehand the A team are going to be um, playing host to Harriet uh, down for Scotland. Yeah, and I was actually thinking of maybe going to that. I think it depends if I'm playing or not. Um, if I'm not playing, then yeah, I might well go down to that. I mean, you have to set up cab kings and part for the whole day. But yeah, I think we go because it, you know, it not only is it obviously just a, a free match of rugby, but I mean, it's nice to kind of see the, who the young players are coming through. Um, and uh, yeah, if it's a nice day, I haven't checked the weather, then yeah, why not? I think get yourself down there and have, have a couple of, hopefully a couple of Falcons wins, you would have thought. Yeah, hopefully the weather's a bit more like it was two weekends ago and this weekend just gone, or else you'll be sitting there shivering around a thermos flask with your long johns on, as opposed to basking in sunshine for an afternoon. So if we just do a, a quick roundup of the scores the weekend. Um, on Friday night, Sale got beaten by Saracens, 12 points to 18. Uh, one other score there is Zebra getting thrashed by Glasgow Warriors in the United Rugby Championships, so they're not coming off the back of a good performance. Fingers crossed they continue that form into our game next weekend. Um, on Saturday... Exeter absolutely thrashed Bath 42 points to 22. Gloucester got pipped 21 points to 27 by Wasps. Northampton beat Bristol 39 points to 22. And obviously there's our 45 points to 10 win over at Worcester. And then on Sunday, the only game was London Irish getting beaten by Harlequins 14 points to 41. That leaves the Premiership table as it stands with Leicester still out ahead with 80 points. Saracens on 72. Harlequins on 20 all of whom have played 20 points. Extra have played 21 on 62 points, and Northampton have played just 20 on 58. So if Northampton win their game in hand, they'll go into fourth. Sale have 56 points, Gloucester have 55, London Irish have 53, then Wasps have 52, Bristol have 37, we've got 32, Worcester have 30, and Bath have 27. So a bit of breathing room now. Um, points difference is better than Bath, so in effect we've got that extra point, so we're we're off the bottom and there's only four games left. So if we get another win, I think that I'd be quietly confident in saying that we'd um, manage to save our skins from the bottom of the table, but um, otherwise obviously watch Worcester and Bath scores closely. If we quickly go around the region from the weekend in League 2 North, Blaine got beaten by Stourbridge and Tyndale beat Wharfdale 37 points to 42, so a high scoring one there down in Wharfdale. Um, North Premier, Annick lost uh, to Preston Grasshoppers, whereas Billingham put a good score past Kirby Lonsdale. Um, Concert just got pipped by Old Broadlands, whereas Durham City and Morpeth in kind of a, a Durham and Northumberland derby there, Morpeth came away victors at Durham City. Score of the week, looking down the scores, probably has to go to Yarm, who put 83 points past Holton, who only scored zero. And so... We won. It's been a long time coming, but hopefully it can continue and we can start um, polishing off our French dictionaries and looking forward to a, a lengthy European run. So that's goodbye from me. Bye, everyone.